Hello, my podcast family, and welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Today, we're going to look at the book of James and see what he has to say to the church as he, too, was a shepherd in um, instructing the early believers as to how their Christian walk should bring glory and honor to Jesus. So I'll be reading today from the Message Bible, just switching things up for you. And so we'll start off with chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Consider it a sheer gift friends when tests and challenges come at you from all sides you know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors so don't try to get out of anything prematurely let it do its work so that so you become mature and well developed not deficient in any way chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 my dear friends Don't let public opinion influence how you live out gloriously Christ-oriented faith. If a man enters your church wearing an expensive suit and a street person wearing rags comes in right after him, you say to the man in the suit, sit here. This is the best seat in the house. And either ignore the street person or say, better sit here in the back row. Haven't you segregated God's children and proved that you are judges who can't be trusted? Chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. Excuse me. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. If only it only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By your speech we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God, our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. And do you suppose God doesn't care? The proverb has it that he is fiercely jealous. He is a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful, proud. God gives grace to the willing, humble. Chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. Meanwhile, friends, wait patiently for the master's arrival. You see farmers do this all the time, waiting for their valuable crops to mature, patiently letting the rain do its slow but sure work. Be patient like that. Stay steady and strong. The master could arrive at any time. 
Friends, don't complain about each other. A far greater complaint could be lodged against you, you know. The judge is standing just around the corner. James has a lot to say, doesn't he? (laughs) After his very terse greeting, he gets right to the instructions. But, you know, his letter for me really doesn't give an indication that he was that he had an intimate relationship with any of the churches. But then I guess how could he? Because the later the letter at the very beginning of the chapter, um, chapter one of the book, it says that it's addressed to the 12 tribes who are scattered. So numerous churches. So I guess perhaps it is a bit um, an error on my part to assume that he could have an intimate knowledge with all of those churches. But looking back on our Pauline letters, right? They were very personal, personal. Paul knew the people he was writing to and he had intimate knowledge about what they were facing. And in Rome, I believe it was, was it Rome or was it Corinthians? They actually sent him, you know, questions. And he said, as you asked, he he was addressing. So they had an intimate letter. Even the two letters for Peter, for me, even though they were general in tone, they still had a personal um, feel. Or tone for me but I don't find that here in the in the James letter but this letter is still very relevant because his instructions and admonishments we can apply today he addresses four things essentially actually five maybe first is faith he encourages them to continue to press on to not allow the struggles that they face which at this time were was being ostracized from society, stripped of their social status and or death. Um, to look at all of these meant that their their faith, as they were going through all of this, it was their faith that was being tested and he wanted to remind them of that. These things are testing your faith, faith and to allow to, to go through the struggles and the hardship. Because the testing of their faith is really their witness for Christ. So don't get discouraged. Don't, don't try to get out of it. Just go through it. Embrace it. Continue to trust in God. Then he addresses favoritism, right? There is no favoritism in Christ, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Paul said that there are neither what Gentiles or Jews, there are neither females or male, there are neither slaves nor masters. All of us are one in Christ. So then how can the body of church show favoritism? That's basically what he's saying in this letter. Then he gets to the mouth. Ooh, you know that old saying, at least here in America, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. (laughs) Words matter. Words hurt. What comes out of our mouth as supposedly people of God matters. You like how I threw in that supposedly? I threw it in there because our actions, our words, can at times be in direct opposition to the relationship that we claim to have in Jesus Christ. That's why I say supposedly. So I want you to think on that for a while. What are the words that are coming out of your mouth? Especially when you're angry or frustrated or tired or hungry. Because that's when the enemy really likes to to sneak up on you. I found out that when I'm really tired and hungry, 
I kind of get a little angry. <laughs> and I'm, I have to watch what I say. So know your triggers. The next thing he addresses is um, assimilating into the world as opposed to being set apart. Jane reminds them that they are to be set apart, not to blend into the world. And standing out doesn't mean doing things intentionally to stand out, you know, to be weird or anything like that. For this first century, for the first century Christians who this letter is written to, standing out for them was not participating in public worship, the public worship of gods, or not pledging allegiance or alliance to the Roman emperor, emperor who they considered savior or a god, or not eating the meat that had been sacrificed to the pagan gods. Remember, Paul addressed that. By not doing any of these things, they stood out. People would know that they were a Christian. Because back in the first century, there was a, there was no way that you could separate religious life from the political and social aspect of the culture. They were one and the same. The public worshiping of gods was something that was expected to be done. The um, Roman Empire sanctioned it. You did that in alliance to as your citizenship, right? All of that was together. So for them to say, mm, I'm not going to go and pay homage to um, Aphrodite or Apollos or Zeus, or I'm not going to say that Nero or whoever the emperor was at that time is the savior because we know the savior to be D- Jesus Christ. That set them apart from a religious standpoint, but also from a political standpoint as well, right? Another thing that um, they were to do, not cheating their clients if they were business owners, right? But being true witnesses for Christ. um, James's stance was you can't serve both. You can't assimilate into the world and still and still say that you're a Christian, which to me sounds a lot like Matthew 6, 24, where Jesus says you cannot serve two masters, right? Because you'll end up hating one. Greta Bennett rephrasing. <laughs> James takes it a step further and he says that you're cheating on God. And some of the versions in your Bible will say you're an adulterer. Harsh? I don't think so. Remember, we are to be holy because our God is holy. We are his royal priesthood. That's what Peter told us. We don't look like the world. We don't look like the world because we're citizens of God's kingdom. And and as citizens of his kingdom, we don't practice an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. No, instead we turn the other cheek. We give generously without expecting anything in return. And... We love our neighbors, which is everyone, as ourselves. This isn't in line with the world and the culture around us. All of these issues that James, you know, hit upon, our faith, showing favoritism, the words that come out of our mouth, are we assimilating into the world, are we standing out? All of these issues we continue to face today. And my question is why? Why have we, as a body of believers, children of God, not been able to overcome at least one of these? (laughs) For me, it boils down to two things. One 
It's what are we being taught out of our churches and our congregations. Going back to the teachers such as myself, the pastors and the evangelists and everything. Are we being fed the Bible in its entirety? Or do we like to have do we have some of those go-to messages and scriptures that we always lean upon, right? In my New Testament class that I was taking, the professor were actually studying what they call the um, Catholic um, letters. And Catholic just means universal. And uh, and James falls into to one such letter because they're written to it they can be um, apply to any church they're not written written to specific churches so first and second peter um james jude and um first second and third john are all considered catholic letters not catholic as in the religion but catholic as the term of universal so but she asked the question how many of you have heard sermons from the book of jude How many sermons have you heard from the books of 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John? No. How many sermons have you heard based on Leviticus or the Song of Solomon? She didn't ask that, I just did. And the question is not many. All of those are books in the Bible. Whereas it's, it's cool for us to have our favorite scriptures and our favorite books in the Bible. But we still are to be taught the Bible in its entirety so that you can fully appreciate what God is saying. God doesn't just speak in only the epistles written by Paul and in the gospel, but the Old Testament pays tribute to the coming of Christ in the gospel. Everything. And then the second thing, I think, of why I think we still face the same issues, we're not being taught the Bible in its entirety, and two, then it boils down to us as individuals. What are we allowing to come into our space? I think it was in season one I spoke to, we have a responsibility as believers as to who we allow to speak into our lives, who we um, allow to teach us the word of God, but not just the word of God, but everything. What are we being taught from the pulpits, but also who are we surrounding ourselves with or what are we surrounding ourselves with in our homes, you know, from the radio, the TV, iPod, because I guess radios aren't cool anymore, I'm old. (laughs) What are you listening to? What are you watching that has influence over you? And I'm not suggesting that you stop watching TV or, you know, you can only listen to Christian music. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm encouraging you to do, which I believe Paul encouraged in one of his letters, is to hold everything up through the lens of Jesus. And then the scriptures. Trust me, if you begin to do that, the Holy Spirit will convict you and reveal to you areas where you not, where you may not be so set apart or as holy as you you think you are, that you may look a lot like the world. We are children of God's kingdom. And so we don't look and operate like the world does. We don't look at things in black and white, so to speak. We remember that everyone on this earth is made in the image of God, whether they recognize it or not. And we recognize that sometimes, based on where people are from and their background, may influence how they act. But we don't demigod them. 
we don't show favoritism to one group of people or another because God died for all of them. There is no favoritism in Christ Jesus. And we are to be set apart in that. As caregivers this season, this isn't the time for you to give up and lose your faith. No, this is the time for you to dig in, as James said. Count it all joy, the version, which is probably New American Standard. Count it all joy when you are experiencing trials and tribulations. And trust me, the caregiving season can be a trial. (laughs) Remember, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Remember to use sweet words to your loved one, to be kind, to allow the faith that you have in Christ Jesus encourage those around you. Yeah, it's going to require a lot of work on your part, and at times you will feel like you don't feel like being a Christian. I'm using air quotes. At least at times I didn't. But you need to remember that you are a Christian. And that means that you're always listening to God and you're allowing him to use your life to be a witness to his glory. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being a relevant We thank you for being a God who is right now with us and a God who is forgiving. Forgiving because just like our first century brothers and sisters, we are still struggling with the same thing. And so we thank you, Father, for your patience, your grace, your mercy. But we ask for forgiveness. We ask for forgiveness for maybe being adulterous in our love of the world and not really wanting to be set apart or not fully understanding what being your daughter or son means. You're not asking us to be weird or anything like that. You're just asking us to love you and to be obedient to you. Help us to look at everything that we do, to hold everything up, through the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ to make sure that it lines up with the scripture to pray on things help us to realize that everything that we may do or may have isn't the best that you have for us and that you do have a good plan for us a plan to prosper us and to provide for us and to give us a hope and a future. You don't plan for us to be mediocre or to have second best, but you are a holy, excellent God, and you have good plans and things in store for us. Only if we seek you with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledging you, and allowing you to direct our path. So we come thanking you for this word. Help us to stand firm in the midst of this caregiving season or whatever trial we may be facing, that we show no partiality or favoritism amongst mankind because you don't. Otherwise, we sure wouldn't be in your kingdom. Help us to be mindful of the words that are coming out of our mouths, but in order to do that, Speak to our hearts, Lord, because we know out of the heart, the mouth flows. 
And then, Father, help us to walk in a way that reflects that we are citizens of your kingdom. Bless each and every person who has dialed into this podcast. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart was pleasing in your sight and so that this word fell on good soil and that it will grow and that they will come to know you in a more intimate and loving way. Bless them. Keep them safe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Go administer the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus.